0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings, what decision have you made that was a really good decision? You can look back and go, this one thing that we decided to do, man, if we just keep doing that over and over and over again, that'll play out real nice. What is that? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but Grab your pen and notebook because yeah. we're about to dive yeah, in. All right, here we go. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today I've got Mike Chalfant here on the King stage. My brother, how you doing?
1: Doing great, doing great. Chaz, thanks for having me here.
0: Of course, you know a fellow Kansas Cityan. You know I've said this several times now. We've we've gotten, gosh, over the last year probably 15, 20, maybe even twenty five folks from the Kansas City area. I didn't expect that when we started this year a year ago, but. Here you are across the, across the city, and, and we're on Zoom, but we'll have to do lunch or something in person. I'm so glad that you're here, that you took the time. Thanks for being here. What kind of business do you
1: have? Really thrilled to be here, Chaz. Really appreciate the opportunity. So our business is a transportation management business. We do freight brokerage. We do management transportation services, meaning we work with companies that have existing carrier relationships in place, and we just provide technology and some back office functions like. Great bill I didn't pay is a is a good example that people generally understand. Yeah, just functions that they that is more efficient to to outsource than than do it themselves. Yeah,
0: coming in and saving transportation companies money all over the country.
1: Well, yeah, well, really, our our clientele is uh, is the shipper community, so manufacturers, distributors, uh, retailers, and so we're we're really kind of a third party, a three PL, as you as some people say. Yeah. We don't own any trucks. We don't really. The assets that we own are, you know, expertise, technology, and really our our people. Yeah. So we we leverage those those people and and our and our carrier network, our, our relationships, and bring those to our our customers and and help them just operate more efficiently and fewer headaches and and let them kind of focus on their their core business. Yeah.
0: Understood. Mike, my question for you, as we get started here, before we get into your history, is about your why—the deep-seated reason that not maybe, maybe it's maybe it's not even transportation. I don't know, but like, what's bigger picture inside
1: of you? Yeah. So, look, I, I for me, it's just let's let's do a good job. Let's provide real value to to customers, and, and you know, try to try to bring that value to as many customers as possible, make their lives better and, and make some money along the way there and in our industry and in the transportation industry, it's ginormous. It's like the third biggest industry in the, in the country behind healthcare and defense, um, it's super fragmented. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of different trucking companies out there. Right. So there's, there's what we've discovered over the years is that there's just so many people doing it in a way that could be more efficient. So there is, it's, you know, you hate to say they're doing it inefficiently, but there's room for improvement Yeah, and there's probably anguish involved. And so our wise, we want to help as many people as possible kind of improve that situation. Yeah. And maybe they're, they're happy with it, but they're overpaying. So there is a best of both worlds. And so we're trying to bring that solution to as many people as possible.
0: Yeah. And I think that you've practically given us a great reason of of helping people specifically in your industry. I think all that's great. I, I love that actually. Why, why that piece? Like why, why like underneath that, what get what wakes you personally up in the morning? What wakes up, what woke up the company when it started? Like, why did you seek out? Why did the company seek out to even do that that you just practically gave us?
1: Sure. I mean, I guess I'll touch on how the company was started back in 1999. So bef- before I was ever involved, it was a it was one of the first online less than truckload platforms. Sure. So you know how the experience that of going to like an Orbitz.com, a Travelocity, and booking an airline ticket, self-serve. I mean, that was pretty innovative back in the day. You used to have to call a travel agent or call the airline themselves. And so this experience of being able to type in you know, where you're starting and where you want to go and a few other details, number of passengers, number of bags, et cetera, and having a list of, of options come up at different price points, right. different kind of transit times, different layovers, pretty innovative and powerful. So that was why the software was created. Cause we did that for the less than truckload industry. Yeah. It didn't exist before that. And so we were one of the, it didn't exist before about, you know, the late nineties. So kind of along with the internet this is one of the, you know, inventions of the internet. Yeah. And so that was how the company was started and made a big, big impact on all sorts of users, transportation companies, but also that larger, kind of what I call a shipper community. Those manufacturers, those distributors and those retailers. And so that was kind of the why It's just to, 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 there's a better way to do this. Let's let's set one of the founders was. Just a a software guy. So let's, let's use software to improve the lives and efficiencies of, you know, companies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It came to life. Obviously you said like with the help of the internet, there's a a big, a big lever there being able to help people in a more efficient way. But I just love how this example is a technology usage, but it's, Hey, there's something being done in an inefficient way. What, what can we do to, to make it better? It's, it's simple. Really, is what do you break it down to. The the answer that you're giving is we want to be able to just do it better. Do you find yourself innovating? Like is that you personally? Is that your is that your drive? Like you're always trying to improve the process, the whole organization in that way?
1: Yes. That that is definitely one of my interests and passions is is, you know, finding more efficient ways to do things. Obviously it's good for the business because you can you can redeploy human resources and different different areas of need. We we like to use our human resources to just make the customer experience better. Like, and that's a lot of kind of, you know, concierge service, a lot of updates. And just, uh, if you, if you, if we, we believe that if you deploy human capital in the right way and use resources like technology in the right way, you're gonna, you're gonna a deliver a great customer experience and B do it in a a scalable manner where you're saving, you can put it at a good price point for your customers and you can make some money. I mean, we've got no shame in saying that this is a for-profit business. Our, our margins are, are very just kind of industry norm. So it's kind of a volume game. So we wanna bring our products to as many people as possible. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, let's get into some practicals here. I know that obviously your role has changed in the company as you've grown, but now you hold the seat of president. And I wanna know as president, what decision have you made That was a really good decision. You can look back and go, this one thing that we decided to do, man, if we just keep doing that over and over and over again, that'll play out real nice. What is that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say it was really the decision to invest in a true living, breathing sales organization. The first, so I I started with the company in 2013. We had a different business model back then. We weren't selling directly to shippers, you know, those manufacturers, retailers, distributors. We were selling to a lot of other intermediaries okay. who maybe didn't have less than truckload expertise that we did. It was a way to get in front of a lot of eyeballs, but it was very low margin and very, very kind of, they'd leave you for a dollar type of thing. It wasn't sticky. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. sticky. business at all. And so the decision to build a living, breathing sales organization back in 2019, that was, that was the right decision. So, you know, about four years ago and because it's made us a lot more diversified, it's the, it's just, it's, it kind of follows our plan of executing the business model of reaching shippers directly. Sure. You know, a smaller game of telephone. You're talking to the people actually who are shipping the material or receiving the material, right? It's better experience for all. And so that was, that was the right decision. And so we, we, we got to work recruiting and it's just made us a a bigger and better organization, much more diversified as as well. So that's, that's, that's always a good.
0: Yeah. The the two things that you mentioned that I want to point out for the listener that maybe I'll have you dive into a little further is as that salesperson has maybe removed some, some steps and kind of just directly connected them, the, the maybe more important pieces, AKA increased your experience. Has just the the willingness of having somebody hunt, a salesperson, has that been coupled with, so you have, now you have a great experience because you have somebody who wants it to go well because they're financially incentivized. That's what sales is. And then over here, you have somebody who is also financially incentivized to go get more. Can you talk about maybe the play between experience and growth and how that plays into your sales team that you built?
1: Right, no, that's, that's a really good question. Um, so our kind of take on that is our salespeople are involved in the actual execution of of the transactions. Yeah. Certainly at the beginning. And As things scale up and, as, and with with larger customers, we bring in account management. And the account managers are managers are trained very, you know, closely and and on what those kind of customer expectations are. And by now we we treat most customers the same, the same, you know, the same standard operating procedures that we kind of create, created that, you know, the MFWA per se. And so when the salespeople see the account management team executing in similar manners that they would with the same, you know, high level of care, mm-hmm. we have a we kind of, but one of our core behaviors is having a high gas level. It stands for, stands for give a, give a shit. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm saying that. Yeah, on the yeah you're good. But it's one of our core behaviors is having a high gas level. And so when our salespeople see our account management team have that high gas level, mm-hmm. it kind of frees them up to go to, to kind of, you know, leave the nest and go and go find more customers. Yeah. Yeah. You're,
0: what you're talking about is a huge tension point between ops and sales in a lot of organizations. You have that handoff to the fulfillment side and the sales guys like, man, if you screw this up, you screw up my commission.
1: Right. Well, that's the other thing we, we, We incentivize the account management team on, on the results. So they, they have a piece of the pie. And so they, if if their work results in more or less business, they will be affected by it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is in alignment with the sales guy. So you're right. The more confidence you can give to the sales guy or gal uh, to, to hand it off and, and go get some more, then, then you, you pretty rapidly start growing because you've got a hunter in the right in the right seat doing what
1: he or she should be doing, hunting new people. Yep. That's absolutely true. I mean, so we when we recruit people and we're interviewing them, we tell them that we don't want them to have any, you know, artificial glass ceiling. We will provide as much account management support as they need based on the, the business coming in. And and it's but it's up to them to go to go get it and warrant the need for that support, right? That's right. Our our biggest rep has two basically full-time people helping them. Yeah. And so, and we, we love that. It's a great situation. Yeah.
0: It, it, you're right. It's a great model. Actually. I want to just clarify one quick okay, thing want- for the, for the listener. Basically, you know, think of yourself as a business owner by yourself going and growing. And eventually you made an initial hire and then a second hire. And typically those first initial hires are generalists or, or even admin to get off some of those, you know, easy tasks that can just be repeated, which is exactly what, Now the sales guy, he, he, he has the ability to communicate, he has the ability to go create relationships and, and be sticky. And uh, all he needs to do is be able to hand off some of those repeatable tasks that uh, someone else probably with a different profile, a different personality is better at actually.
1: Would you agree with that? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've seen it. So, and we're, so we're trying to replicate it. So, but it, you know, in order for that to work, you gotta, you gotta have people out there having success on the, on the sales front. That's right. Yeah. You got to bring in revenue to play with. Yep.
0: Otherwise there's nothing there. Okay. Well, Mike, tell us about, tell us about a bad decision. Something that didn't work out so good.
1: Well, you know, I know I have a ton of regrets in my time here. It's, it'll be 10 years on April 1st, whenever that is. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Two days. Yeah. Three days.
1: Yeah. So I don't have a ton, but one of my biggest regrets is just not doing enough research on of the industry leaders sure. when I first started, at, you know, after I'd first started. Right. So we were, we were, you know, in hindsight, we were in the wrong business model. Like I kind of alluded to earlier. We were, our customers were big, you know, blue chip truckload brokerages, or s- slash carriers, your Schneiders, your OHLs, your Matsons, and the uh, Sierra England, Landstar. And like I said, it just, it wasn't, and, and the leaders in our space were working directly with shippers. And so we were kind of trying to do this hybrid, uh, transportation management software system with, with LTL rates and brokerage attached and, and looking back, it's just kind of an identity crisis. And, you know, granted, I was still, I was learning the industry, but, you know, just studying the environment a little more and, and what the successful people were doing and what they're doing well, what they were not doing well, that could have, that could have saved us a few years.
0: Yeah.
1: Because we it until, you know, 2015 or so. Yeah. 2015, 2016. So that it would be, that's one of the biggest regrets. But, you know, it, I am, you know, we are where we are today based on all those events. So it's, it's nothing that really keeps me awake at night. But looking back, it could have, could have done that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate the yeah. vulnerability. What would you say to the listener right now who's, in the midst of the identity crisis, as you say, and maybe they've got a couple different offers or they're trying to figure out which one's the best, or I don't know, they're just confused on how to move forward. Maybe, maybe they don't even know that they're confused, like you guys back then didn't necessarily know that you were in the wrong business model, but somehow along the way, there was something that came to light. Let's check out what the other successful people are doing. What would you say to that person listening right now?
1: Yeah, I'd say, I would say. You know, think about what your, really your corporate purpose is. And hopefully every organization has some sort of corporate purpose and do these actions, do these deals, do these opportunities, help fulfill that purpose. Now, you know, purposes can, can change over the years, but you know, usually you start with one and it's you, you make it your purpose for a reason. And also just, you know, learning about the, the marketplace that you're in, learn everything you can, who all the players are, how the money flows. I think that is a very, very important piece Yeah. because looking back, that's, you know, we were in a, like I said, a, a low margin, not sticky situation. And obviously that's not where you want to be. Yeah. Not so I think just generally, you know, studying industry, studying how the, how the cash, you know, changes hands is is always a good thing and, and helpful as you build your, your business plan.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, you know, for the listener, there's like a, There's a little bit of a matrix. We've got, you know, box one, two, three, four. And box one is the AA. It's the sticky and high margin. And we've got over here, we've got sticky but low margin. And over here we've got high margin but not sticky. And then over here, not sticky or you know, high margin. And we're trying to get rid of all of it really, except for sticky and high margin. But some of those box two and three are you gotta play in that box sometimes. What would you say to that for, for like your, your business or what would you say to the listener who's maybe kind of contemplating how to get rid of that, maybe that fourth sandbox?
1: You do have to play in that box sometimes. Does that have to be forever? And usually there should be some sort of, you know, benefit from like non-monetary benefit that comes from that. Like we, you know, we sometimes do business at a, at a low margin or even break even in order to enhance carrier relationships and customer relationships and it's not forever it's temporary but it helps us gain you know stickiness really on both sides the shipper the shipper side and the, and the carrier side yeah. and again it's, it's it can't be a forever thing right but there needs to be or if it is forever thing there needs to be something in that other box that's kind of tangent like kind of related to it mm-hmm. so if you tied it all together it it works out yeah
0: yeah, if you've got a, a client that's high margin and sticky, wants you to do something that maybe is a little outside of that, then of course, yeah, of course you do that. Right. It is difficult to cut to cut loose on those things that that don't make you the money, though, because that's what you guys basically were saying or doing. You were in a you were thing over here. You weren't following the money. What was that moment where you were like, okay, we're chopping this part of the... We're, we're done. Draw the line. We're doing it like this now. What did that conversation or what was that moment like?
1: So I'd say it was twenty sixteen, okay, we 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 need to start calling on more shippers. These are these are our customers. But we still had some salespeople calling on transportation inter- intermediaries. And so I kind of myself and some of the ownership group, you know, got together and I proposed, look, we need to divide the company into two. One needs to be a software company and one needs to be a logistics company. And so we spun all the, all the software IP out into a separate corporate entity, and that's called Port TMS, who, you know, we work very closely with, we're a customer of Port TMS, but my Freight world is a logistics company. Yeah. It's what we do. So our, our business is knowing carriers. Now we resell the software in a way, but, but it's not our focus. Our focus is on carriers and we use, we leverage the technology to, bring value. to, to, yeah, to get business and to you know, enhance the customer experience and make us more efficient, but it's not, we're not in the software business. Right. So, and so really drawing that, that clear line in the sand, doing a total rebrand of the software side, it was a total game changer. Yeah.
0: Well, now in that example that you just gave, if the listeners is, you know, following along with your strategy, now you have other clients that you can go specifically, very clearly go after with the software company. And that's a whole nother thing, a whole nother team and a whole nother growth strategy.
1: That's exactly right. Cause no one was wanting to buy software from a competitor. Right. And it was just, it was the right thing to do. Could have been done sooner, but, but that's okay. Yeah. We're, we're we're still, we're still kicking.
0: Yeah, that's right. What about if a decision comes across your desk? Mike, we've talked about a good and bad decision that you've made or, or kind of have gone through. How do you process decisions now? Like, is there a magic formula that you follow?
1: Yeah, you know, there's, I wouldn't say, I mean, I rely on instincts a lot. Sure. And luckily I'd been blessed with somewhat patient instincts. I've learned, especially when dealing with people, that, you know, you, the initial rash reaction and any rash decision that comes out of that is generally not the one that you would make the next day or the, right. or the day after. Right. So that's, that's something I'd, really learned and, and kind of hung on to is just, you know, take a, take a break, let's think about this and then let's, let's deliver the message you want to say, but in a, in a way that's a little more appropriate and, and mm-hmm. isn't going to damage any, any relationships. Yeah. And then as far as just business wise, you know, does it, you know, we, we went through a lot of work about two years ago to really own and. How to enhance our our corporate purpose? I guess it's actually about three years ago. And one of the good things about having a strong corporate purpose is that you can use it for decision making. That's right. Does doing this fulfill the corporate purpose? Does hiring this person fulfill the corporate purpose? Yeah. If our purpose is making the wheels of transportation less squeaky. I'll give you an example. We just today we have a we created a new role. It's called an operations analyst. Who's gonna enhance our reporting and, and TMS capabilities and be, and, you know, create, you know, fantastic, you know, KPIs and metrics for our customers. Doing that makes the wheels of transportation less squeaky for our customers. So that hire fulfills our corporate purpose. Yeah. And so when, when making decisions, that's something I always try to, to think about. Are we, are we filling the purpose with this decision? Right. And if the answer is no. I mean, it's kinda it's kinda it's it's pretty telling. It it sound it's it simplifies things. I mean, obviously not everything's just black and white, but it's been a it's been a really nice tool to have. Yeah. It makes it easy
0: to have a guiding principle, even core values underneath that purpose. And does this purpose person fit fit our language, fit our fit our fit our tribe? All those things matter. <clears throat> Going over here to the speed round, Mike. I'm going to keep this. You you just created this new position. I'm going to use it as an example here because it's a, an analyst, and you're an analyst dives in and, and checks numbers, KPIs. They're they're reporting things as you said. And so, if you could only pick one thing to report on or to track inside this logistics business, what would it
1: be? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a really good one. And I would say new new shipper, new shipper volume. And that's partly because I have such confidence in our operations and finance team. And so new shipper volume kind of tells me how we're doing on the sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. We've been excellent operators and executors for 24 years. We have not been a excellent sales organization for 24 years, sales and marketing. Sure. And that's something we put a, a large emphasis on just the last like three or four so new shippers is if i had to choose one that is what i would that's what i would choose yeah that's awesome i think that the way
0: that you dissected that in your answer i think is really great because i've had a lot of answers as you can imagine but a lot of people have said sales or even the the experience or the fulfillment the execution as you mentioned it <clears throat> but you're right if if you have no worries of how your client is going to be handled if it's going to be the absolute best then all you really have left to do is just go get more. And so obviously there's always going to be improvement and better experience and next level, but that can even be built in. The innovation of that can be built into leadership and things that are already happening on the back end where it sounds like you, it's giving you the full focus of growth and just straight, if I can get a new customer, then just I can follow along what that means for a simple profit and loss statement and or even growth in the team organization. Would agree with
1: that? Yeah, totally. I mean, our goal is to, you know, what, you know, I guess this comes back to like one of my whys is I want to, we want to, you know, build this organization. We have about 50 people. So that's, you know, that's 50 jobs. I would love to, you know, be partly responsible for hundreds of jobs and, and not just jobs, but good jobs, right. you know, people that love their jobs, people that are fulfilled by their jobs. Right. So, but it takes finding, finding new business. And I, I strongly believe that all of our new customers are better off with us than what they were doing previously. Yeah. So, that's, so I feel good about every, every new customer we get, that we are making their, their freight experience better than it was.
0: Yeah. I think, I think what you're saying, what you're depositing right now, I, I just the listener, it doesn't really matter what business that they're in. Even just my 20 plus years of sales, being a sales rep, being a sales leader, running sales organizations myself, my own businesses, of course. What you just said is like the ultimate confidence for a sales organization is to know that like they are better off with us in their life. And as long as I know that they have the problem that we solve, then I can like really press hard in our sales process. And it, it, that doesn't mean pushy or, you know, overbearing or anything like that. What that means is that I operate in conviction. And so everything that you just said was like straight conviction coming out of your belief of like, no, like they need to be with us. It yeah. shouldn't be with anybody else, well, I
1: mean. and I really feel that way now. There is, you know, not everyone is for us, so we've spent some time yeah. identifying who is for us exactly, and then let's focus on that group because you know Walmart is, does not need us, you know Target <laughs> does not need us. Yeah. We're probably not the best fit for them. So our our kind of our area our tribe is that kind of mid market, you know, five million to two hundred fifty million, and and top line revenue. We have a couple billion dollar customers, and we're doing some things to add value to to that to that group. But our are really bread and butter is that kind of mid market. Yeah, and so we take a look at you know what kind of commodities these companies produce. Their how many decision makers do these organizations have in their shipping department, and you know what 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 are, what are shipping volumes. And so those are some of the things that we look at to figure out. Look who who's out there that we can really help? And once we've identified that, we we try to we try to show them what it's like with My Freight World.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it just gives it breeds the confidence. I mean, we're talking about sales, really the the bottom line of what what it takes to be successful in sales. Yes, communication and, and all the tactics, but it's confidence. It's belief. You know, those things breathe like in and out constantly through awesome. a sales organization. And you can tell if someone is uh, is on the dying bed you know, of the sales world. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yep, yep.
0: That's how, that's how it rolls. All right, next question is, what book or maybe resource would you recommend for a business owner listening today trying to grow?
1: Yeah, okay. I would say a book called Clean Slate and it's by Sean Storms. Okay. Have a copy. There you go. Like, it's on Amazon. I, I heard Sean at a, you know, a mastermind group and I was blown away. This book is about a. It's it's very large into corporate purpose, finding that true north. It's really big on, you know, operational efficiency, getting getting rid of waste and rework. He's a big Deming guy, the the Japanese this man who just was you know wizard at efficiency, and then he's really really big on demand creation. And he compares a lot of B two C companies and brands. And kind of challenges the B2B companies to to create that type of demand. And one of his sayings, and this is really what kind of woke me up, is that if you need salespeople to sell your product, that means that there's no demand for it. Mm. And so I, when he said that, my eyes kind of opened up and he and was like, okay, well, that is a very interesting point. I mean, taking that literally is is maybe a bit much, but, there, but there's right. some truth to that and so it kind of you know kind of woke me up there's there's some things that we can do better to, to drive more demand he's big into you know turning his turning the sales team into really like scouts mm-hmm. listening to the customers searching for that unspoken need and if you can find that unspoken need you're going to be able to create really a better value proposition than you had before right yeah and so i i thought it was a great book just the purpose piece itself we kind of implemented that. And it's made us a better organization. There's there's no doubt. So that would be my book recommendation.
0: Love it, Mike. I think even what I heard underneath, what you were saying that he was describing about the sales organization is that, not to get rid of it, he didn't say that. He just said that the the purpose of it might be slightly different than how you're operating right now. And, cause, cause you're right. <clears throat> there You can't take that straight on and say, well, nobody rings my phone, then I guess I'm not needed. But that obviously doesn't work in, in, in business or sales. And that doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't out there that don't need you. They just don't know about you. So I loved how you said going up and creating demand or drumming it up, which actually plays a little bit more into marketing than sales, right? Because it's attention. You have obviously something that people need. It's just a matter of whether they know about you, right?
1: Right. That's exactly right. The brands that he uses are like Apple. I mean, they're just great. They're great marketers. Obviously, their products are are fantastic, but... Right. They're fantastic marketers, you know you know about them because of the commercials, and then also that they're the users are you know commercials themselves. they're telling their friends about their the latest gadgets, yeah so yeah there there's there's things we've tried to and are still working on implementing on the marketing side to try to increase the demand
0: yeah yeah the secret the secret um maybe a little piece in that formula for Apple, which I didn't learn this until you know in the last couple of years, is status. And so if you can raise the status of your client in some way, yes, you add value. Yes, you solve a problem. I, I can't can't get away from those things. But if you can raise the status, it is like the underlying tone of why we as humans do pretty much anything. I mean, even just like think from like tribal men, like I'm either going to do it for status or a woman, right? Like, All right. This is what we do. It's so like, I just think it's like, just like this super deep nature thing that when you understand the reason why I'm telling my buddy about my new AirPods is because it brings me status or the fact that I have the new, whatever is that brings me status. Whether you want to yeah. admit that or not, that's how it rolls. Absolutely right.
1: You're absolutely right. And you know, I think about freight, freight's not, it's, it's hard to make freight sexy. It's almost like the roof. You just don't, you just want it to not leak. Right. Um, right. If you can make it cool to be working with my freight world, you're, I mean, that's the dream, right? That's the dream. But I guess the last thing I want to mention about that book is he's one of his big sayings, the sameness is a a disease of epidemic proportions. Okay. And that, that also kind of struck a chord to me in in our business. We have a lot of competitors, probably 15,000 freight brokers out there. You can be a one man shop and be a freight broker. And many of them do the exact same thing. They make a phone call. Hey, what do you got on the dock? I can give you a rate. I can give you, a, you know, give me a shot. So that really struck a chord to me. There's there's a better way to do things. So let's, let's, let's do what we can to find that better way and bring more value. Love it, love it. And I, I um, think that probably applies to a lot of industries.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything that you've shared has been incredible. That's you've given show. plenty. I got a question for you. You mentioned mastermind earlier. My question around intentionally masterminding or networking with other entrepreneurs, but you kind of mentioned that you already got something from that, but speak a little bit more into maybe your experience or the value that you've gotten from just getting time around other high performers.
1: Yeah. I've been a part of a couple of different mastermind groups, you know, just peer peer groups um, in the Kansas City area. Some, some I've gotten a lot of value out of, some I've I've not. And the ones I had not, I've, I've kind of stepped away from. Sure. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think the ones that have, for me, you know, I, my time is fairly limited, just busy with a lot of things at work. And then, you know, I've got a young child and another one on the way that changes things. It really does. Yeah. I have fewer hours in the week now, that's right. but it's it's great. And so I've had to be a little more picky about how I spend my networking time. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that I enjoy is kind of that combination of, uh, of a get together that has some structure, has some purpose to the, to the meeting, yeah. but then, you know, when, when the time is right, there's you know the ability to socialize and maybe have a beer so for me that's that's what's worked and that's what i enjoy and because i you know you, you never know people you meet or get exposed to how they can kind of change your life for the better so I, I really do believe in that and actually i've been inspired by by one of the the leaders of our this this group i'm in he's a local insurance broker here in kansas okay. city and he brings together local CFOs and, and ceos and presidents and I've been inspired. So I've started a few, you know, transportation related groups based off people I've met on LinkedIn. Yeah. With the, and all right, let's get some people with some commonalities. Yeah. They are, they've got, they're in charge of moving, you know, their company's product. Yeah. Could be all sorts of different industries. We got mattresses, we got food, we got, we got iced tea, we got, you know, electronics. Yeah. That's all. Awesome. Uh, so we've got, we've got, two peer groups that I kind of oversee and those, those are going really well. And I, I learned a ton from them. So it's, there's a little selfishness involved, but I think the people have enjoyed getting to know, just getting to know other people that are doing similar things. Yeah,
0: no, it's so true. I have to just second your opinion there as far as uh, the selfishness, you know, I facilitate obviously a a pretty large mastermind, but it's like, I, they, nobody knows that I get the most excited, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's game day today. Fantastic. You know, I, I, I get to get around a bunch of high performers. It's it's why I started it, selfishly. Yeah. Of course, I know that we're adding value to you know big business owners all across the country. But it's like, man, I got filled today, you know, which doesn't always happen when you're the leader of an organization and you get siloed to being the one always giving. It's good to uh, it's good good to get recharged every once in a while.
1: Totally, totally agree.
0: What you mentioned, family. What what is your thought around you know obsession? Really, is the is the word I want to throw at your table here. But there's this long, maybe uh, talked about word of balance and work life, and you know, as <laughs> as a business owner, as a leader of an organization, I just kind of just throw it out the window because I don't think it's going to help us be successful in either area. What I think happens, or what needs to happen, is a, is obsession. That's how we became successful in the business, and that's how we're going to be successful in marriage as fathers, that type of a thing. So. My question to you is, how do you obsess over both?
1: Over both? Yeah, I like to you praise that. Well, yeah, I love my family and I love my job. So that, those are two very key, you know, beginning points, right? Yeah, yeah. So now it's really allocating time. And and really the biggest thing for me is, is making sure that I have a structure at work, have people that, you know, having the right team. And the right amount of resources, like this new hire that I just alluded to starting today. That's because my plate was getting too full. It was taken away from time with my family. And also I was becoming a bottleneck in just key organizational functions. Yep. Neither of those things are good. There are things that I can train the right person so that he can do the job those tasks even better than I was doing. Yeah, that's right. So that has been key as we've grown is to invest in that team to don't take any shortcuts in training and it, it allows for the business to grow and for you know your home life to to remain the same if not better and so that has been you know when, when i was a single guy no kids totally different <laughs> you know i could spend as much time working as as i wanted and you know it was good at the time at the time of the business is good because you know it stretching you know our getting the most out of our human capital was good for the business at that time okay. but as we've evolved and grown and matured it's better for the business to get the right people and the right specialties in in place so that's that's been exciting to, to see and to be able to you know not obsess over everything and watch watch other team members flourish it's great for a number of reasons yeah
0: understood well, I appreciate the, just a, such a systematic answer. I think that there's a lot of business owners out there that don't think like you in that way. And I think that they're you know, flying by the seat of their pants, which is oftentimes as, as leaders do, and probably how you maybe even felt before hiring this individual person. You gave a little snapshot there of a little tension, a little stress, and it's actually an indicator. So I love how you said that of like, okay, it's time for the next hire. It's time for the next investment, whether it be training the team, grow, whatever it is because you have to hold on to what's important on the other side. I completely agree with you. And if you don't, because that's 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 the that tipping point that where you hired this person is where some people just don't, whether it's a financial related, they just want to hold on to the money or they just think that they can do it better, whatever that that bottleneck is inside of them is then what keeps them from going home on time or spending the extra time necessary inside the marriage or the. the kiddos you know and so because as they get as they get older and even as my wife we've been married now for 15 years it's like i had i need to be intentional just like i need to be intentional about meeting great people like you like i can't i can't not apply the success principles over here on this side that i'm that i'm so good at over here you know what i mean
1: yeah i i very well said and you know probably needs to be said more often you know at least inside my own brain i think well i love
0: i love the vulnerability
1: yeah, you because know, it's, it's just a good, it's, I like the way, you know, you think about it because I, I understand and have a, you know, firm grasp of, you know, what, you know, how things are structured to, you know, succeed in the business and all the, all those sorts of things. But they really are transferable to the home life and not that I feel like, you know, things are, are bad there, but, you know, maybe looking at it in the same light can, can help with that, with just time allocation and, and, yeah. you know, improve both sides. Yeah, so I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, of course. You know, I'll I'll give one more thing here for you, the listener, whoever whoever cares to take it. But I don't give this out of like I'm an expert, but only out of someone who's literally walking this out myself constantly because I'm a high driver, highly obsessed individual, obsessed with achievement and success. I mean, I have nine companies. I mean, (laughs) come on, like I can't not push. It's just who I am. And so that last piece of what I just said is who I am when I started realizing that I'm a builder, that I'm a pusher, that I'm a shover, that I'm just a get it done. Let's just run hard all the time type of an individual. That applies in anything. I just needed to get as excited about building or pushing my marriage, or I needed to get as excited about pushing my children or building my children is kind of how I like to say it into this vision that we have as a family. And so I get just as excited about that now as I do building the next funnel or building the next team or building the next idea. That's like, man, I need to transfer what you're talking about, that excitement around building because that's who I am. I'm a builder, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very well said.
0: I got one last question here for you, Mike. This sound, might sound a little odd because uh, you and I are both young guys, but we've been through a lot. you have got 10 years history at this uh, organization that you now lead. If you could whisper in the younger Mike's ear,
1: what would you say? Well, I'll, I'll try to think of something different than, you know, fix the business model. Huh? Yeah. Cause we, cause I've, I've used that one before, but what about for you? What would you say to you? It's tough. Cause I've, it's, it's worked out very well for me personally in my career advancement, I'd say just. I mean, cause what, what I, what happened was I, I worked really hard. I was in a, the, the, I had the ability to, you know, obsess and, and one thing that maybe I did that not all, not everyone does. And I try to, you know, coach some of our new hires on this is keep asking for more, you know, don't get content with, you know, the current workload, learn how to master that. And then. You know, you, you're going to get quicker and more efficient and keep asking for more. Keep asking for, you know, be curious, get interested in other, you know, departments of the business. See, because you never know where your the right fit's going to be until you kind of dip your toe in those waters and mm-hmm. and not even necessarily dip your toe, but really dive in. Yeah. And so curiosity, hard work, and just flat out asking, asking for more opportunities and then proving yourself worthy of those opportunities, yeah. I would, I'd, I'd say, you know, that, that's the right thing to do. And that's, that's kind of what I did. So it wouldn't have probably changed a whole lot, but it, it would have been maybe reassuring, you know, I am, yeah. cause there were too many times am I doing, is this all for nothing? Right. And it certainly was not. So
0: yeah, that's probably what I would say. Yeah. I love that reflection. I, I would have to agree with you that there are many opportunities that <clears throat> where I just reached for more. I was actually just listening to a little deal the other day on desire and the guy that was talking, he, he kind of, the way that he phrased it was that our our DNA or our spiritual DNA, the spiritual DNA is perfect. And regardless of your spiritual beliefs, it's like you were created to be Mike. I was created to be Chaz. And I think we can both agree that like our, we're on that journey to figure out like what that means and, and who we're meant to be. Like that's just, what life is about. And so in 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 that there's this play of who you are and it's like trying to always come out and like help you with the business model or help you be a good dad or you know whatever it's like trying to make you be the best version of yourself. But inside of that being the best version is reaching for the next level, wanting more, asking for more, of what you said. And what that does is it forces us into a creative state because it's more than or different than what we do now. And so we have to, like you said, master and then be able to f- put ourselves into a situation where we're now like, okay, I have to now resolve another problem or re-get efficient or put myself in a different construct or creative thinking to be able to solve this problem as opposed to this problem. So there's just so much value in what you just said as far as reach for more. Like we all hear it, we all know it, but like the why is because it literally puts you in the position to grow, right?
1: That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, you got to be your own advocate. You gotta. No one's. No one's gonna push you forward like right. you. Like you should be able to push yourself. That's right. Love it,
0: Mike. How can the listener find you? Number one, if they are in need of uh, transportation services and or
1: even software, how can they find you? But then also, how can they connect with you as an entrepreneur? That's it. LinkedIn. is a great, great way to find me. I'm on there. Just Mike Chalfon. You'll you'll see me, President at My Freight World. And then email mchalfon at myfreightworld you can reach out on our website, myfreightworld.com. Pretty, pretty accessible. Good.
0: Sounds good. Well, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for just spending your time. You've got, you've got a a brilliant mind, really. You've been able to do so much in such a short period of time. And I just appreciate you sharing and and giving some nuggets to the listeners today. So blessings on your family, the new baby that's coming, your whole entire team there
1: that's growing. Thank you for being here, Mike. Hey, thanks so much. I enjoyed it, Jazz.
0: Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine figure business owners is that It's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 Kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit
1: to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.